Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Greetings, fellow WNYXicans. I'm Thaddeus, and I'm today's host, and I'm here with Tom. Hello. And Lauren. Hi there. So this episode, Jackass Junior High, is the first of our Costume Mania unit of episodes. Now Lauren's going to kick it off with our Agent Zero Pew Pew plot synopsis. Thank you. Jackass Junior High was season four, episode 21. It originally aired on May 6th. 1998, which was a Wednesday. All the women of WNYX, with the exception of Lisa, are out of the office. The male staff members proceed to treat the office as a boys club, leading Lisa to wonder why they don't believe she counts as a woman. Bill wants to be the new voiceover person to do the crazy Eric's Electronics ads. Dave has hired Mark Davis instead, leaving Bill insulted and revealing that no one in the office thinks he's funny. WNYX qualifies as a New York City historical landmark due to a typo on some paperwork. Jimmy begins holding educational tours five times a day in order to collect on the associated tax break. Educational tours. (laughs) (laughs) Highly educational. All right. Thank you, Lauren. Um, All right. We've set up a few categories in games, which I, as host, judge, and executioner, will listen to the prayers, I mean, uh, answers and arguments (laughs) of the contestants and award the most arbitrary of ABSA points to. At the end of part A, I will award one stalwart contestant this episode's ABSA award for excellence in this podcast. So let's get started with round one, ABSA Fever. First category up in Abs of Fever is going to be what scene would you show to a new person? And Tom, you're going to go first today. So what scene would you show to a new person? Uh, the first scene that I would show to a new person is the um, Matthew giving the original group uh, tour right by the uh, news booth um, okay. when when uh, he's talking about the microphone and when it was invented by Charles D. Microphone and um, then... Walt comes in dressed as Mikey. That's kind of the end of it. But that Matthew's whole patter uh, sounds very much like if you've ever been on a tour in a museum or something. It's like really, you know, and we're walking and we're walking. That kind of, you know, he had that whole tone yeah. down really well. Yeah, so that, that that was the, uh, the funniest scene. All right. Great answer. Great answer. Lauren, what is the scene that you would show to a new person? Okay. I'm going to go with the cold open where Lisa wants to know why she's different. So (laughs) I love that scene. Basically, any scene that gets the whole cast involved, you know I love it. So this is everyone who participated in this episode. Of course, Beth is absent. Mm -hmm. Um, But it gets everyone involved, and you get to showcase those character dynamics. I felt like this scene in particular was just like punchline after punchline after punchline. Mm -hmm. Um, I especially love Lisa's line, no, you're different, Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's definitely a great line. Uh, all in all, it has good jokes, good character showcasing, and um, some things I think would be surprising to any person. All right. Good answer. Good answer. Um, all right, Tom, what is the second scene that you would show to a new person? Um, it would be the one right after the cold open where Bill comes into Dave's office and um, asks about doing the promo for Crazy Eric's. Um, yeah. and, you know, he just ha- he has Bill has some very good lines um and does a little bit of voice work too um so that that's fun and but dave's just total incredulity um <laughs> about like his his ability to be funny is, is uh it's really good all right yeah that's a great scene that is uh that was definitely on my list up uh, ranked up there too so good choice good choice lauren what is the second scene that you would show to a new person I'm going to go with the Western showdown scene. (laughs) Mostly, I just think a new person would be very confused by this scene. Um, The costumes stand out. Uh, The acting in the Western skit is intentionally terrible. We've got Dave's refusal to take part in the charade, which is very funny. (laughs) Overall, I I think it's a great scene that would leave a new person with a lot of questions and maybe get them to watch more. All right. That is a very, very funny scene. Dave absolutely kills me in those scenes. Like, he comes in (laughs) perfect. He's just not having it. Um, I am going to give this round to Tom. He just barely edged it out. But Tom takes round one. All right. Some good answers. Great answers by everybody. I mean, I really did enjoy this episode. Um, All right. So, we are going to go to the second category, which is what quote is most usable or you would want to use in real life? And, Lauren, you are going to go first. There are a lot of great quotes in this one. I'm going with, yeah, I remember when I had my first beer, you little snot. <laughs> okay, okay. Unexpected, but okay. Um, it happens a lot now where someone is much younger than me, and they want to bust on me for knowing about something that hasn't existed since before they were born. So I think this is an excellent comeback to someone who's trying to make you feel old. Okay. Okay, it's uh, definitely not what I expected, but I, I also cannot cannot argue with any of that logic. Um, and now I'm just afraid she's going to say that to me at some point. Um, Tom, what quote do you think is most usable or you'd want to use in real life? Well, first of all, before I give you the quote, uh, you're not that young to use that line on. So, yeah, just know that. Um, but the quote that I would use... <laughs> <laughs> the quote that I would use is, is the one that Bill uses when he comes into Dave's office. Prepare to be knocked on your ass. <laughs> I feel like that is uh, that is just a line that you can use uh, specifically when it's nothing special. I think it is really a good time to use that. It's kind of that's a little more Lauren's tack, but I I like that uh, <laughs> approach. Uh, that's a great choice. I think entering any room that way is, is <laughs> high, high on the list of ability for that. That's a great choice. Okay, Lauren, what is a quote that you would find most usable or would want to use in real life? What's your second quote? Oh, it's a really tough choice. Okay, I'm going to go with his diet consists of black coffee and sarcasm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like to use this line about myself. I drink my coffee black, and anytime someone notices that or takes interest in how I take my coffee black, I like to use the line, my diet consists of black coffee and sarcasm. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Extra point for definitely being able to use that. <laughs> Low calorie. <laughs> High fiber? I don't know. Um, all right, Tom, what is the second quote that you find most usable or you'd want to use in real life? Uh I ain't afeard of him. 
which is yeah. what Jimmy says. I, I, I've always liked the afeard thing. I always thought that was funny. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be him. It could be any anything. Mm-hmm. I ain't afeard of that. Yeah. So. Oh, I like that. I like that. No. <laughs> you got to go get gas. I ain't afeard of that pump. <laughs> I ain't afeard of them seven. gas prices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now we're just telling lies. <laughs> okay. Um, whew, that is a tough one. I'm giving Lauren the very slight edge, uh, but because I clearly could picture her actually saying that to someone in an <laughs> office environment. Like, it's the clearest picture that I had. Um, I, could, I could close my eyes and draw it, basically. So... Lauren is going to take round two, and it is one-to-one. All right, round three, or category three. What gag or bit had the biggest impact on the episode? Tom, what did you have for this one? Uh, I had Bill's continued neediness. You know, the the need Ooh. to be told that he was funny. Um, it's kind of been a thing that we've we've covered recently with Bill's autobiography, but, you know, going so close up on doing that episode and going into this one, it's very apparent that they had a, a thing there. Good. Unexpected, but very good. All right. Lauren, what a gag or bit had the biggest impact on the episode in your opinion? I'm going to go with the gag of Matthew hating pretty much everyone who isn't part of the main cast of characters, because I think this is a series long gag. So <laughs> like we see him, he volunteers to do Beth's entire job, but isn't willing to organize a get well card for the ladies who are out with the flu. Um, he snaps at the tour participants the second they ask him any questions. And um, in terms of a bigger running gag, you know, he has like this blood feud with Carl from accounting and he hates Max on site. I think he just shows coldness and aggression toward pretty much anyone who works at WNYX besides this main cast of characters. I did not expect that, but you had a lot of support to uh, to back it up. And I never really thought about it that way. Uh, I'm going to do this one as a tie. I think this one goes right down to great answers uh, that I definitely didn't see coming. Um, I really like those. I think there's a ton of gags and bits in this episode. I can't wait for part B so we can kind of go through a bunch of them, but um, great answers. Okay, so that puts it at two to two going into the fourth category. Don't check my math. Uh, The coolest detail in the episode or a nice adequate touch. Um, Lauren, what did you have for this one? Okay, so when Matthew's explaining that the glass booth is there to keep dust out, mm-hmm. Jimmy is sitting next to him and sort of just nodding and mumbling in agreement. Yep. And I don't know if he thinks he's lending credibility to Matthew or if maybe he isn't even listening. He's just blindly agreeing. But um, either way, it was a nice little touch that I found very funny because he's sort of in the background. You don't really, uh, you're not really supposed to be focusing on him, but right. because his actions are so funny, it, it draws all my attention. Yeah, I definitely noticed that too. It, it, it kind of sets up Dave once again as being the most sensible person like in the <laughs> entire place. Um, so that is a that is a good catch right there. Uh, Tom, what did you think was like the coolest detail in the episode? A nice adequate touch. Well, this was a little more obvious, a little more um, front and center, but the uh, the fanciness of the tea service that they had. Um, oh, okay. At the, the tea party, like that is like pretty nice stuff that's not what you would expect just you know even if they were going to have tea maybe you would expect some cups but they had like the the silver platter and everything the serving tray Mm, yes um yeah so that that was the uh most adequate touch i thought oh that is a good one oof man um i'm gonna give this one to lauren just barely you guys are doing great today i i mean 
I'm really having a tough time. I'm kind of going a little bit of first instinct to certain degree because I, I could lock up if I was trying to uh, really math it out. But those are two great answers, and I don't know. <laughs> I really did like that T set. That's a, that's a yeah, really good. Okay, moving on to our fifth category, uh, our best episode enigma. All right, something we don't have an answer to. All right, and I believe that Tom is going first on this one. Okay. My enigma is, is this standard practice for Bill when he uh, feels unfettered to smoke cigars and drink milk? Those com- oh. those combined just seems oh. like a bad combo. I could see, okay, coffee, maybe booze, but milk and cigars? Oh. Not good. I looked at that scene a lot, and I didn't catch that. That is a great both gastronomic and just <laughs> general question. I mean, really, really, that scene can be summed up by what the hell is Bill doing? Yeah. <laughs> like every step of that scene is like, what the hell is Bill doing? Well, everybody um, apparently is drinking milk in that scene of some form or another. You know, yeah. Joe's drinking chocolate milk, and you know the other guys are drinking white milk. But ugh. cigars, cigars and milk. And oh, milk. I, I can't. I just no. I, I can't. Mm. Oh, that's a that's a tough one, Lauren. I know that Lauren's got something good. I can see it, but like that's that's a tough one, Lauren. Uphill battle. What was the best enigma for you from this episode? I I did have a milk related question, but that's not my top question. So we'll save that for part B. But yeah, a, a lot of milk going on in that scene. Um, I want to know what happened to Nikki or any of the other female extras we usually see milling around the office, right? In, in Bill's autobiography, mm. Bill claps Nikki on the back. He goes, way to go, Nikki, which probably is not her real name, but she was she was a female for, in the office. Um, we've got Beth, Nancy, and Renee are out, and apparently that's it besides Lisa. What happened to all the other ladies? That is a good question. That is a good question. I feel, unfortunately, I feel like they got driven away because it's such a crazy bunch of guys out there. <laughs> <laughs> that might turn out to be what it is. So I'm going to give this category to Tom. Um, but I am going to wonder what happened. Like now as we're watching all the earlier episodes, I'm going to be like kind of counting all the female different extras that are in there. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be like, man, this place is unhealthier than the, the old Washington Redskins offices. <laughs> just <laughs> harassment everywhere. These these women just have to go. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a good question. What does happen to some of these extras? You would kind of feel like they would stick around, like they would be kind of like recurring extras. I don't know. I don't know a lot about showbiz though. <laughs> All right, so that is Tom. We are tied at three to three. Going to these final categories. Uh, so we are at the Bill. I stole your cane keepsakes. All right, uh, what item would you take from the set to display or wear? And Lauren, I believe you're going first. I'm going to go with the binoculars. Oh. Honestly, either pair would be good, but really I'd love to know that I had the pair that was handled by Dave and Lisa and Bill. Um, I, I thought it was a great prop, and I thought it was really funny the way Lisa got in on it, even though she knew she wasn't going to like what she saw. <laughs> Whatever it was, she knew she wasn't going to like it, but, you know. And then when Bill walks in, he's like, okay, time's up, my turn. She's oh, like, oh, so good. Got carried away, bro. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just the, the handoff of the binoculars there. I want those binoculars. That's a great call. That's a great scene right there. Just got carried away, bro. No big. <laughs> oh, man. 
the way she says it, like I just that's one of my lines I'm gonna have in my favorites to probably be. I'm gonna spoil the suspense. Um, okay, Tom, Bill, I stole your cane keepsakes. What do you got for me? Uh, I think the Mikey the microphone costume um, would be the Ooh. the next one on my my list. Um, just it's very it, it stands out probably the most of any other prop or, or costume. That is a very good like that's a very good call. I did not really consider that costume. I find it slightly off putting thinking about its origin. Uh, we'll talk about that part B. Uh, so I'm gonna give the edge to Lauren on this one. But I am very intrigued at the thought of you in the Mikey the Microphone costume kind of parading up and down the radio stations uh the be, mascot war. It would probably be displayed more than worn. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the right call. It, it seems like it, does, it doesn't move very well, you know. No, no, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of mobility. You are correct. Yeah. Um, but as a display piece, yeah, not so bad. Not yeah. so bad. All right. Lauren gets the edge in that category, which brings us to our final category, which is the MVP or runner-up of the episode. Um, Tom, who was your MVP of the episode? Matthew. Matthew. And Lauren, who was your MVP? Matthew. All right. Tom, who was your runner-up of the episode? Lisa. <laughs> Lauren? Bill. Whew. Dodge the bullet <laughs> there. We're going we're gonna to have to come up with a tiebreaker system or something. <laughs> um, okay. Tom, please tell me about the runner-up of the episode. Well, um, Lisa gets a lot of good lines, um, such as uh, the one that you just mentioned about, uh, sorry to... Sorry about that, bro, or whatever, you know. <laughs> sorry to get carried um, away, bro. Sorry to get carried away, bro. <laughs> yeah, um, her, her earnest kind of delivery of, like, you know, why why don't people think I'm think of me as a woman? So, yeah. like, you know, kind of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense other than in the context of this particular episode because I don't feel like throughout the run of the show she is treated as, as like, a dude. But, Fair. yeah, in this one she pulls it off very well. Um Okay, Lisa's runner-up. Lauren, tell me about your runner-up. Okay, so I have Bill as the runner-up, mainly because he got to display his wide range of vocal talent in this one. Um, we know Phil Hartman is the man of a thousand voices, but we don't always get to see Bill displaying them. Here they're front and center, and I feel like he's purposely pulling out hacky impressions, you know, which is kind of fun to see. Okay. Um, I also love that for once you almost almost feel sympathetic for bill uh, of course he always ruins it right at the mm. end like by telling lisa you know guys like us got to stick together or telling the vo voiceover guy his performance is funny boo-hoo that totally sucks <laughs> but i feel like this is about the closest he comes to earning sympathy here which is something out of the ordinary for his character so that's why i have him as the runner-up this time around okay that is uh, that's a good point that is a good point I have to edge for Lauren on this one. Um, I did think it was a very good Bill episode. And uh, and you're right. Like We know how gifted Phil Hartman is, so to see him try to be bad on purpose. Yeah. Uh, and then just flat out rude was, I thought that was really good. Todd's right. Lisa had some great lines, some great zings. You know, definitely a couple in there as well. But I think, um, I think Bill definitely... Uh, <laughs> to me, Bill kind of did a little bit more with it. So, 
Uh, as of now, I have Lauren leading five to three. All right, that completes our abs of fever round, and Lauren's going to give us the Freakzilla report straight from the message boards. All the best and worst reactions to this episode at the time that it aired. The Hoodoo Factory is brought to you by Carducci's Gelato. Carducci's for when you don't want to share. Okay. So, this is the first episode that we've covered that included Brad Rowe as Walt. For the fans watching at the time, this was the third episode they'd seen him in, and it would appear that people had started to form opinions about the character. Someone named Mr. Know-It-All Fox started a thread comparing Walt to Andrea, sort of comparing the characters as well as the storylines. And they said they enjoyed the Andrea storylines, but felt like Walt served no purpose. Most people preferred Walt to Andrea. They thought he added more comedy to the show, whereas Andrea's purpose was to be the stiff suit brought in to make the goofy crew we love more like a normal, boring workplace. Hmm. And our friend Tavy said Walt had yet to wow her, but she did really enjoy the line, a beautiful burp from a beautiful lady. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, There was an entire thread dedicated to Walt's butt. The thread was started because someone named Eric came to the message boards to note that Brad Rowe had appeared in an internet sci-fi episodic called Eon 4, Hmm. in which he had a nude scene and you can see his butt. So the rest of the thread was mostly just people commenting that Walt had a nice butt. (laughs) What are Jimmy's boy toys? Uh, People seem to like the only dudes in the office storyline the most. Someone named Barb said she basically lives this storyline all the time as she was the only woman in the IT department where she worked, and she verified that there was much belching and scratching involved. And someone named Matthew asked where he can get an I Met Joe Gorelli refrigerator magnet, to which many people replied, his last name's Gorelli? Oh, that's so good. (laughs) Way to go, News Radio fans. That's so good. (laughs) And this has been the Freakzilla Report. Awesome. Thank you, Lauren. All right. Uh, That has been this episode's Freakzilla Report. Right now, going into the second and final round, Lauren is leading Tom by a score of five to three rounds. Uh, So our our round two, or as we call it, the Marty Party, is going to be our Hoodoo Factory versions of Buy or Sell and Would You Rather. I think we all know a good Marty party goes a long way towards an ABSA, but it's still anyone's game. So here we go. Um, the first game of round two is called, is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective for this game? Contestants will get a statement to either buy as the real deal or sell as the McNeil perspective. The second contestant will have to argue the side not chosen and everyone will score points for making good points in their answers. So, uh, Lauren, I believe you are going to take the first statement. And the first statement is, in the break room, Bill has the most upsetting behavior slash appearance before Lisa brings the temp in. So please tell me, is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that in the break room, Bill has the most upsetting behavior slash appearance before Lisa brings the temp in? This is the McNeil perspective. Okay. Joe with his shirt off eating a turkey leg is much more upsetting. Yes, Bill has his pants off, but his boxers are modest enough that it's not much worse than if he was just wearing shorts in the office. Joe, on the other hand, is showing a lot of skin, not to mention nipples. Once you're showing nipple in the office, you win the prize for most upsetting. Point for nipple. 
Um, <laughs> okay, okay. Not bad, not bad. Uh, so, Tom, can you please tell me why uh, it's the real deal that in the break room, Bill has the most upsetting behavior slash appearance before Lisa brings the temp in? Well, this is the real deal because nipple. Um, <laughs> <Point. laughs> <There we go. laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, this is the real deal because not only is Bill just wearing boxers, um, he is also smoking cigar and drinking milk. That is very upsetting. Much more upsetting than eating a turkey leg. Uh, the, you know, being topless, yeah, that's not great. But being bottom was generally perceived as worse. So I, I'm going to say um, it, it's the real deal. All right. Excellent point. Excellent argument. Point to Tom. All no. right. Statement number two. Tom, you're going to go first on this one. Okay. Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Matthew is the best choice on staff to give a tour in general? Uh, this is the McNeil perspective. The best okay. choice on staff to give a tour in general would be Joe Gorelli because he has been to uh, New York Tour Guide School, Good answer. As, Good answer. As, as he said before. Excellent. Okay. So, Lauren, you need to please tell me why this is the real deal that Matthew is the best choice on staff to give a tour in general. It's the real deal. Matthew is the best choice because he has nothing else to do. He says himself that his actual job takes him about two hours each day. So the station would lose zero productivity by assigning Matthew as the tour guide in any situation. Okay. Okay. The same could be said for Joe. I mean, he's really not doing anything. <laughs> Souping up elevators. <laughs> I'm giving that one a tie. Two excellent answers. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's go on to our third statement. All right, so, Lauren, the guys in the break room blaming Bill's belch on Lisa is the biggest show of their affection for her. Is that the real deal or the McNeil perspective? That is the McNeil perspective. Um, it was clearly meant to antagonize her. And if you think antagonization is a form of affection, then I have news for you. You might be in an abusive relationship. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, always, always good to look for warning signs. I can't. I can't dispute that. Red um, flags. Tom, please tell me why it's the real deal that the guys in the break room blaming Bill's belch on Lisa is the biggest show of their affection for her. Uh, well, I, I do see what Lauren's saying, but that that would generally apply to adults, and these are basically just grown children. Um, and if, if you go to like a any kind of junior high, uh, and and see like boys pulling pigtails that kind of thing this is this is basically just that <laughs> clearly uh walt is smitten with with lisa um and he goes along with it it's yeah that's my answer all right i'm gonna give the edge to tom on this one um i i think lauren this might be a thing of like that is what guys do to one another like when you if you're gonna treat another guy that way like that goes with it. So if the joke is that we're treating her as if it's a guy, as if she's a guy, then that's the type of thing that we would absolutely... If you ever seen guys pass gas, like, the first thing the guy does is turn around and point at somebody else and go, what did you just do? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think in a way this is uh, their, their affection for Lisa. But I, I, uh, 
as Tom said, these are children. <laughs> this, this is not how adults <laughs> handle the business. All right, so that round goes to Tom, which I believe puts us back into a tie. Going you know? into the last statement mm. of our real deal or Bill McNeil. So, uh, Tom, people on tours of workplaces should be able to directly ask questions to the workers as they perform their duties. Is that the real deal or the McNeil perspective? Uh, this is the McNeil perspective. Uh, there, there should generally not be a whole lot of touring of workplaces. Um, and certainly people shouldn't be able to stop you. I mean, unless it's it's dignitaries that are actually or, or like like a congressional member touring a, a military installation. Sure. OK, but like general public just coming up to people and stopping them from working and interrupting their workday. That is BS. And we I will not have it. Okay, I like the strong state. I like the conviction at the end. Absolutely. All right, Lauren, please tell me why it's the real deal that people on tours of workplaces should be able to directly ask questions to the workers as they perform their duties. This is the real deal. The most interesting part of a tour of a workplace is learning how things work at the workplace. So what better person to provide that information than the people performing the work? And if management is going to be holding tours at your workplace, they need to design your job so that you have enough free time in the day to answer these types of questions. That's on management. Okay. I definitely uh, like to blame management. So <laughs> squeezed into the Lauren category. I was secretly hoping someone would bring up the uh, John, John Mulaney um, routine. Uh, he talks about, how was it? Law and order? When, whenever yeah. they go up to question somebody, oh. like the guy never Keep stops working. Stacking crates, yeah. Right. He's like, yeah. Like, We're just here, the murder police. <laughs> you can't even stop. Oh, yeah, working. I saw that guy around. Yeah. Let me stack some more crates. <laughs> yeah, but I like a very funny bit about not stopping work when even the police are questioning you about like a murder. Um, so I was, I was secretly hoping that might come out, but in the end, Lawrence squeaked out a victory in that last one. Okay, we are moving on to our final activity today. Uh, have an adequate day. It's a would you rather style game based on ideas and situations related to the episode. We'll have a short discussion about each of the four choices and the bonus consequence, followed by everyone, including the host, that's me, drafting from all the choices. Whoever's day sucks the least will win the game and be awarded six ABSA points. So here are the choices. 1A. Give a 10-minute tour of your workplace five times a day for a week, bothering your coworkers. You know what bothers them. Option two, 1B, have a group silently watch you work for the full day for a week. So, Lauren, which of those two uh, would, you, would you suffer for? I mean, first of all, I don't think I'm a good choice to give a tour at my workplace on any day, and I and I wouldn't want to bother my coworkers. Um, but I think having a group silently watch me work all day for an entire week would drive me insane. Uh, I would feel super self-conscious. I wouldn't be able to get anything done. Uh, I would be like Matthew and movie star mumbling, "Don't say anything stupid. Don't say anything stupid." <laughs> Just the whole day. It would be nothing but that. So the okay. people watching me would learn nothing, and I would get nothing done. <laughs> okay. So that means you're going with 1A. I, yeah, 1A. All right, Tom, what do you think? 
Uh, I would also go with 1A. I really don't want anybody watching me full-time. Um, and, you know, if I'm bothering my coworkers, you're assuming that I like my coworkers, which I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Screw those guys. Screw them. And it's only, you know, that's, you know, an hour and 15 minutes out of my day. Okay, that's, that's or, uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I am also in the 1A camp uh, where I'm just like, hey, if I'm doing a tour, then I'm not doing whatever my real job is. So that's kind of a win. And then B, it's like, man, I hate to bother my coworkers, but like they understand it's part of the job. You know, like, I'm not going out of my way to do it. It's just kind of the way it goes. Uh, so I would also go with 1A because, yeah, just, just having a group watch you is just no good. Mm. No good at all. <laughs> okay, number two. Um... Would you rather have a coworker pass gas than openly blame it on you to an attractive guest in the workplace or have a full tea party in the men's room? Uh, Tom, which one would you go with here? Uh, I'm going to go with 2A. I don't really like it, but having a tea party in the men's room is gross. So that, I mean, I guess if it were, I guess if it were the way that eventually in season five, they, they did up the the men's room. Okay. Kind of, but that is not my situation at work. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, everybody who who works anywhere near a men's room just shuddered at the thought. Yeah. Um, Lord, which one would you go with? I'm going the same to a, um, I'm used to my kids blaming their bodily functions on me. <laughs> it's, it's a common occurrence. It's an easy thing to deny. Um, and I'm not opposed to tea parties, but it's the in the men's room part of that's course, going to make it course. a no for me. <laughs> um, man, it, it really is tough. Because it, it's, yeah, there's no real winning. There's no way of getting around the fact it's in the men's room. Like, no matter what you right. do, you're in the men's room. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Oh, man, but, like, I would be embarrassed for the entire day. Like, it would be one of those things that, like, it, with my luck, that person would pass me by, like, ten times. And I'd be like, oh, oh. I'm actually leaning towards to, to B, kind of being like, well, I guess I don't really have to drink anything. I don't, maybe I don't touch it. I can just kind of hang out there with the fellas, but kind of defeats the purpose. Um, you know what? I'm going to go to B because if I get sick, then everybody gets sick. And there's no way they can dock all of our pay for that. <laughs> I want my shot with the attractive coworker guest person. Um, Maybe you could claim it as workers' comp. <laughs> I, I would try. You better believe that I would try. Okay, so three. Would you rather help a coworker save face by allowing them to publicly mock you and have them say some really hurtful things, or Save face at work by publicly mocking somebody else. Lauren. Um, this one's kind of hard because I think in, in some situations it depends on who I'm mocking. Like if, it, if it's someone who really deserves it. True. But um, overall, I think I'm going with 3A just because I don't want to be the asshole. Like I might get my feelings hurt by mm. someone publicly mocking me, but at least I don't go home that night knowing I'm the asshole. Hmm, that's true. That's true. Okay, Tom, what do you think? Which one would you go with? Uh, you know, normally I'm I'm all for not being the asshole, but in this case, this is at work. Again, I don't like these people, so I'm going to go with 3B. 
I'm going to have to start factoring this into the, to the question making. <laughs> it's like, I can't really have a good work question if Tom hates his work. <laughs> it's not how the question is designed. Um, yeah, this one, this one is really, really tough. Uh, I'm going to go with 3B, and I'm not going to feel great about it. <laughs> um... <laughs> But it's like, man, like having somebody kind of just tear you down and like, again, like there's, you know, people be sympathetic and all that kind of stuff. But like, I would rather come in and make a big show of apologizing or something like, like that than go home and, and ponder my life after somebody just shut me down like that. Um, I'm trying to help them. You know, that's kind of the worst part is like you're trying to help them and they, they take it way too far. Out of number four, would you rather dress in a silly costume at work for the day, do a song and dance for visitors? Or be on a tour where the guide is obviously completely making everything up. Tom, which one would you go with on this one? Um, this is tough. Uh, it, assuming the tour is not that long, I would go with the tour. Um, but if it's like an all-day tour, I'd rather just do the song and dance. Mm. Because I could see getting frustrated. So it's kind of like a... It's good logic, yeah. Yeah. Do we do we have do we have a like a time frame that you you might imagine on this tour? I did not. Of course, I'm looking at the episode, so I was trying to think of like how long would it take for them to do whatever kind of they tour. They got to do them five, them. Then, like maybe an hour. Yeah, at most an hour going through the building and things then around. I w- I would take the the frustrating tour for an hour. <laughs> okay, you know, learn about Charles D. Microphone. That's right. Turn <laughs> the microphone. That's right. <laughs> okay, Lauren, which one would you go with? Um, I think I'm going with the tour. Um, even if it means that the time spent on the tour is a complete waste of time, at least it was probably still entertaining in some way. I think I might, um, you know, try to ask questions just to see what they could make up on the fly. Um, I'm not opposed to costumes at work. I dressed in a full minion costume at work on Halloween last year. Nice. Um, it's the song and dance that I'm going to have a problem with. No one wants to see that. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think if you're in a costume, I definitely want to see it here. I think you might have <laughs> underestimated the public's interest. I could maybe do, do a minion song. There you maybe. Go. If all the words are banana. Banana. <laughs> no, uh, go with your original instincts. You're right. Okay. Um, so to me, this depends on if the costume has a has a, a like mask or helmet type aspect or if it's mm. just kind of like face paint. I think that's what it is. So my brother, actually, my brother and his friends worked at an amusement park as mascots. And it's like one guy gets in the costume, the other guy kind of leads and looks out for him. And they can only be in for like 15 minutes or half an hour at a time, something like that, because it overheats. And they would have to like go back, cool off, and exchange costumes, or you know they take turns, I believe, in either different costumes, or the same costume. Uh, but it was like they had to be really careful about heat stroke and all that other stuff. Um, so you know I think about that a lot. But if my face is covered, you can't tell that it's necessarily me. The song and dance doesn't bother me. Um, okay. If I am in like a, a face paint situation, easily identifiable, <laughs> if you see me on the street. I think I'm going with 4B with the tour. So I'm thinking of a costume with like a, like some sort of head, some sort of face concealer, let's say. And I'm going to go with 4A. Um, but if the costume has a last minute change, sign me up for the tour. <laughs> All right. Uh, so our bonus consequence, number five, is to be expressly told that you are not funny with the implication that you shouldn't ever try again to be funny. 
I think that's that's a rough one. It's Man, harsh. I think even if you don't believe them and you think you are funny, I think every joke you tell for the rest of your life, that comment's living in the back of your head. Mm. <laughs> I took a bill going, never mind. That's kind of the way I feel like I'd react if I told a joke and it didn't go off after somebody told me that. <laughs> never mind. Just walk away. Tom, what do you think? Oh yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, I don't think you would want to hear that. Although I feel like it's, yeah, most people are, you know, if, if, especially if you know them, they're not going to mm. just say that generally. But I mean, I guess you could. I have to put it in my repertoire next time somebody's annoying me. <laughs> I like that. I like how that goes. All right, now that we've discussed the choices, we're going to do a quick draft, and then we'll come back to let you know how everyone's day went. Welcome back. We have drafted our misfortunes, and now we're going to find out how adequate everyone's day was. Starting with myself, I I had a full tea party in the men's room. Yum. Pinkies, dude. Pinkies. <laughs> yeah. If I could, no fingers. Like, I'm, I'm thinking that, like, a, like with mittens on, basically. Yes. Like, trying to pour it into my mouth instead of actually making contact with the lip. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Um, after which, I had to save face at work by publicly mocking somebody else. Uh, and then I spent the rest of the day dressed in a silly costume at work, doing a song and dance for visitors. Right, that was my day, being a unhealthy bully that is into cosplay. All right. <laughs> Tom's day went a little something like having a group silently watch him at work for the full day for an entire week. He helped a co-worker save face by allowing them to publicly mock him and have them say some really hurtful things. And then he went on a tour where the guide was obviously completely making things up. (laughs) (laughs) Sound effects are free. Uh, Lauren's Day. (laughs) Lauren's Day was something like giving a 10 to 15 minute tour of a workplace five times a day for a week, bothering all her coworkers every time she steps near them. Then having a coworker pass gas, then openly blame it on her to an attractive guest in the workplace who I just now pictured on tour so now this attractive stranger is going to think for the entire tour that Lauren passed that gas and then finally Lauren is going to be told that she is expressly not funny with the implication she shouldn't ever try to be funny again probably by the attractive guest on the tour (laughs) that would be the absolute worst absolute worst you unfunny gas bags <laughs> but uh, I think that I think that Tom getting mocked and having to say hurtful things is kind of worse when you add it all up. So today's winner is going to be Lauren. Based yeah. on these draft picks, I declare Lauren the winner of the Have an Adequate Day round and ultimately today's Absa Award winner overall. What would you like to tell your adoring fans? Well, I just want to say, I'm sorry, Tom, but I ain't a fear to you. You may be the quickest draw in these here territories, but this podcast ain't big enough for the two of us. We had our duel, the caps went off okay, and no one stepped on my mouth, so I came out ahead this round. Better luck next time, you varmint. 
Whatever, you unfunny <laughs> gas bag. <laughs> Spoken like a true champion. <laughs> All right, uh, we hope you'll join us for more discussion about the episode in part B. Until then, thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source of all your hoodoo needs. Good night, pumpkin. But a fuko to you, too. Pantyhose. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter at hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Please stop by the gift shop on your way out. And remember, the Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for abs of fever. <laughs>